Welcome. This is Pastor Danny with Word of Faith Family Church in beautiful Lander, Wyoming. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I pray you will be energized and strengthened as you listen to God's Word. Lord, I thank you that you are big in our lives. Lord, we magnify you this morning. We lift you up and we honor you. We thank you, Father God, that you are always, always, always faithful. And Lord, that you're good, that you have good plans and things in store for us. And Lord, we choose to open our hearts this morning to be able to be prepared for what you have for us today. God, I thank you for that today. I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your direction. I thank you for your leading. I thank you for your guiding. And Lord, we step out in faith. We trust you, Father God, in our lives. And Lord, we thank you that you're faithful and that you're good. And Lord, we love you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, a couple things this morning. Um, pastors are, Pastor Danny and Nancy are gone in Billings. Uh, he was ministering at um, a uh, men's conference there in Billings. So he ministered Friday night and Saturday night and Sunday night, or uh, today, this morning rather. Um, and so it's been really good up there with my brother Tim. Um, they've been up there. And um, so, yeah, they're, it's doing awesome. And they're, they're having a really great time up there doing all of that. Um, also, I just wanted to take just a quick minute and uh, talk about life groups. Um, today is the launch for life groups, and so I'm really excited. We've put a lot of work into it, and for all those that have signed up um, in it, I'm so glad that, that you have chosen to sign up and be a part of it. If you haven't, you said, hey, I haven't signed up for it. I'm, I'm not sure for whatever reason. Maybe I'm new here. That's okay. We'll get you plugged in soon and everything like that, but I'm so excited to see because the biblical template in Acts says the believers came together, right? They came together in fellowship, in one accord, in one place, and shared and communed. And so we have people that have stepped up to be able to be our life group leaders. And, and those of you that are involved and, and um, have signed up, we're excited to be able to, to jump into that tonight. And so um, we're so, so excited for that. Lots of great things going on here at Word of Faith Family Church. Amen. Reaching people, touching people's lives people's lives being changed. You know, pastor's been talking a lot about the vision of our church and saying, hey, one of those is to, one of those is that when you as a believer take God's word and apply it into your life and then you're sharing it with others. That's the fullness of what Jesus asked us to do in his word, right? He said, hey, I want you to share the gospel with others. You're at a place that, hey, you are a mature believer, so to speak, that you are taking this word of God, and you're not just hearing it, as Peter said. You're not just hearers only, but that you're doers of the word of God, right? What does that mean, doers? Well, it means outside the walls of this building. It means outside the time frame of Sunday mornings at church. It means the times when life is the hardest. It's the times when life comes in and says, man, I did not expect this to happen this week. Oh, somebody got this news from the doctor. Uh-oh, man, I'm seeing some serious physical issues in my body, right? There's something that's going on in my body, right? Maybe I hear news from my family that, Something tragic happened. Say, are you declaring this? No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying sometimes life happens, right? Hey, that's where we apply the Word of God in our lives. That's where we use the Word of God in our lives. The Bible says that we grow from milk to meat of the Word of God. In other words, we are changing. Because he says if, if we look at our lives and we say, hey, my life a year ago in my relationship with God was exactly the same as it was now, 
The Bible says you are lukewarm and God will spit you out of his mouth. The expectations for us to live a holy lifestyle, I mean, God loves us. Don't get me wrong. He loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter your past. I mean, we could go back and we could look at a lot of different examples in the Bible in Old Testament times of people that did some bad stuff. People that killed people just because they wanted to. People that committed adultery and rape and all of those things that we see that are really bad in our world today and people get locked up for a long time. But guess what? God still used them when they chose to change their heart and move their heart towards Him. God still said, hey, you know what? I'm going to use them in a mighty way because they say, hey God, forgive me. I've sinned and fallen short of your glory. I ask you to forgive me and make me right with you. And He will. And he does. Amen. And so this new series that we're starting today is called Clean. And I, I sat with this thing for a while. I've been thinking about this all week. And I said, you know, this was even something that I came up with. I'm like, hey, this is, this is a cool idea. This was something that this series, I really like this idea of this series. And I'm sitting there thinking about, God, what do you want me to share tomorrow? And I'm just like, I mean, I got some scriptures and I got some things, but... God says, hey, I just want you to come out in faith. So, I mean, there's things, and we'll see how it goes this morning, but I just wanted to share from my heart for just a little bit to start out with you this morning. You know, we look at this idea of clean. Um, it was originally inspired by, um, when we were at men's conference a couple of years ago, Addison Bevere was speaking there, and he was talking about how a right relationship with God and his presence in your heart, he said, the best word I can use is clean. You know, thinking about clean on the inside, right? You search your heart and you say, man, I'm clean on the inside. And that's a good place to be. Maybe there's some of you in here this morning that you've never felt clean. Maybe you said, hey, that my soul, my, my spirit man on the inside, I still feel like there's baggage. I still feel like there's stuff in my life. Well, the short version is that Jesus wants you to feel clean. He wants to make you clean. He's done everything in his sacrifice on the cross so that you can be clean. Amen. So when I look at this word, I love it because it's just, it's so simple. It's so elegant. I'm kind of a, a dork when it comes to like the art side of the things, you know, maybe some of you are, maybe some of you aren't, but I just think about this word and I think about you know, how, how simple, and, and Gijay did such a great job on, on designing this and, and, and what it means. And I want you to really take about it, take it, and look at it in your heart. You know, what does it mean to be clean? What does it mean to be in a right relationship with God? You know, I, I just, it, as I'm speaking this morning, I want you to kind of just take it and think about your heart. You know, your approach to, to being clean. Your approach to saying, hey God, you know what? I am choosing to be clean with you. It's a little bit of of a relationship with him. It's a little bit of understanding what Jesus did for you on the cross. Um, and it's several of those things. But before we get going, I just, I want to, to kind of turn to Ephesians chapter three this morning. Let's do that real quick. Ephesians chapter three. We're going to start at verse 14. Um, we can just read through Rick in the King James Version, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. And I just wanted to encourage you with these words. This is a prayer of Paul. And Paul says this, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints, all saints, what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him, this is one of my favorite verses, that is able to do exceeding abundantly, not just a little bit, come on, not just barely above, exceeding abundantly above all that we think, all that we ask, according to the power that worketh in us. We're going to pause there just for a minute. I think about sometimes, if you think, hey, how could your life be the best that it could be right now? If I ask you this, how could your life be the best? And if you really think about it hard, you say, well, it was this, and it would have this, and my family would be doing this, and my finances would be here, and you know, I would be living for God in this way, or whatever it is. Guess what? This verse says, now unto him that is able to do how much more than we ask or think? Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. That means it, he can go way above and beyond what we ask or think or imagine for us in our lives. Amen? According to the power that worketh in us, and unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So that feels like a lot of words in there, but it's just basically an encouraging word to say, hey, you know what? God has a good plan in store for you. He wants great things in your life. He wants great things in your life. So, I just wanted to, you know, I was thinking about this message clean today. And I was thinking about, you know, what is clean? What is clean? When I Googled it, there was like uh, one section that was like 49 different definitions. And so let's read them. Ready? No, I'm just teasing. (laughs) We're not going to do that. A couple of them is that it... um, to be clean to means free from dirt, unsoiled or unstained, right? Um, free from pollution, unadulterated and pure. Um, this is one of my favorite definitions. Morally pure, innocent, upright, and honorable. In other words, to lead a clean life. So, Free from dirt, unsoiled, and unstained. So recently, uh, about, I don't know, it's probably midnight, our son, my son Matt came into the hallway, and I was sleeping, dead sleeping. You know, I don't know about you, but when our kids were little, it's like, it took an act, like a hurricane to wake me up, but Kendra was up like three or four times with the kids, usually before I was awake, right? It, it was like, I was sleeping through it, and it takes a lot. But anyway, um, we were both sleeping really hard, and I heard this, in the hallway, I was like, whoa, what's going on? I was still in half-asleep coma. Mac was out in the hallway trying to make it to the bathroom, but he didn't make it, so he was throwing up in the hallway, right? And so, like, he was like, well, he's there, and I was, like, going out there. I was like, oh, what are you doing, man? You know, like, and here comes Kendra. It's okay, you know, good thing for moms. Thank goodness for moms, because 
If not without moms, I don't know what would happen. Our kids would not even feel loved. But it's like, this is disgusting as if it was his own choice, right? But anyway, so Kinder cleaned it up, thank goodness. Um, she's so good at that, so much better than me. And um, we cleaned it up, and it was fine. Went back to bed, took a shower, all that stuff, and we all went back to sleep. And his stomach was better, thank goodness, and all of those pieces. But it was like we got up the next morning, and even though Kendra had done her best to scrub it out and put the carpet spray on there and stuff, it's like it's still this big orange spot on the carpet. I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, what are, wow. I was like, Kendra, what do we do? She's like, well, if I had a, a, a steamer, a vacuum steamer, a cleaner, we could help with this. I'm like, do you want one? She's like, yeah, we've had kids for like 12 years in this house. <laughs> so the next day we were going to Menards, and I'm like, pick out whichever one you want, right? <laughs> so I don't know why it took me 12 years to get to that point in our marriage, but it did. Right, and so I was like, "Hey, this is going to be really good." And she, so we got a chance and cleaned it up and shampooed it and all this other stuff, and now it looks fine. I was like, "Man, we should have done this a long time ago." So um, anyway, but our goal was, "Hey, there was there was throw up in there, and there was other spots that had been old." And thank goodness we were able to clean it up and is much better and get all the dirt out and shampooed our carpets and there's dirt you know that they dumped out of there and all that stuff and so one of the definitions of being clean is to get free from dirt right you say hey I don't want dirt in my house right I don't want dirt you know we talk about um, being clean a lot and it's it's um, you know it's something that in our family to be transparent it's a big fight sometimes you know it's like hey I um, Kendra wants to clean and I honor her for that but I'm like, hey, can't we go outside and play and have fun and do something, right? But she's like, hey, this cleaning is important. And so uh, to be 100% transparent with you right now, it's one of the biggest deals in our marriage so far that we've had to work through. It's like, hey, I know this is important to you, but I don't want to spend the time doing it, right? It's like, hey, I know this is important to you. So sometimes I'm like, hey, God, you got to help me with this attitude because I want to help my wife. So maybe one of you is in that spot. Maybe one of you is not. But I say, hey, I live in this house. I help make it dirty, so I want to help clean it up, right? I want to help in this way. And sometimes I'm better at it than others, sometimes not. But I definitely always want to support her in having a clean house and making sure that it's clean. And you're like, hey, why are you? This is not what the Bible says. No, but we're talking about clean, right? And we're talking about, I want you to relate that with our hearts being clean. You know, our lives being clean. One of, the, one of the definitions that we just read says, a life that is morally pure, innocent, upright, and honorable. And so sometimes, you know, again, Kendra and I get this, hey, you're Michael and Kendra, so you guys, you know, we hear it sometimes like, hey, you guys have got it all figured out and all this stuff. And we'll tell you, we'll be the first ones to tell you, no, we don't. You know, we don't. There's a lot of things that our lives are still, we're working on things, you know, um, there are uh, disagreements in our marriage and in our home sometimes that we work through, that we continually pray, God help us, give us tools. There's things that, there's situations sometimes that we don't know exactly what to do. There's um, times that we have to make choices about certain things, and we pray about it, and we talk through it, and we say, hey, sometimes this doesn't get everybody's box knocked off, but we feel like this is what's best for our family or based on all of the situations that we have now. And we run at a pretty fast pace. You know, we, we, um, we 
usually don't take much time to rest most of the time. We're still working on projects. We're still working on things between our jobs full time and with the church and with our family and, and all of those pieces. But we say, hey, you know what? We, not to put, as pastor would say, not to put a pin on my chest or not to have a reward or even not to brag, but really just to, to ins- you know, encourage you to say, hey, we're running a race and we want you to run it with us too. You know, it's not about being so busy that your life is falling apart because you're so busy, but it's more about doing what God's called you to do, right? It's like, hey, we know, hey, we still got a family to raise. We still got kids to take care of, but we know that God's called us to help out at the church. We still have jobs that we got to work. We're teachers, if you don't know, by the way, people managers of 12-year-olds, that's hard, right? That's hard. And then when the 12-year-olds don't act right, then you got to call their parents and say, hey, here's all these things, and, and it's a delicate balance. And then your bosses tell you, hey, I need you to do this and this part of it. And there's a lot of things. And I just shared my heart with you this morning. I hope this is okay. And so I just, just wanted to encourage you. You say, what's your point in that? My point is, is that God has called us to live a life here on this earth. Um, and it's... It can be hard sometimes. You know, we, we went to Laramie yesterday to the football game, and it was fun to see the Cowboys and take our kids when we met some of our friends there and stuff like that. And, and Kinder and I were just looking around, and, you know, again, this is just a, an honest time. We looked around, and it just it boggled my mind to see how many people had to have alcohol to have a good time. You know, it really did. And to say, hey, this is part of the deal. This is part of, hey, I go to the football game, and, alcohol makes me happy, right? And I'm not saying, I'm not judging you, don't get me wrong, but my personal conviction is that, hey, I'm going to live a life worthy of the calling of God. I'm going to live a clean life. I'm going to live a life that says, hey, I don't need other substances to be able to bring happiness into my life, right? I want to be at a place to say, hey, God, again, what are we coming back to? Will you put that back up here, Rick, that word clean? We're coming back to a life clean, Because again, what's motivating me here? Yeah, I want the Cowboys to win and I want my family to have fun and I want to have a good time and all of these other pieces. But you know what? What's more important to me is that when this life is over and when this life is done, when I'm living eternal life in heaven, I'm going to have, I believe I'm going to have a review of my life that's going to look forward and say, hey, what are the choices that you made here? How'd you live your life? Was it worthy of what you were called to do? Was it worthy of what I called you to do? Did you do what I had placed upon your heart to do? Did you touch people's lives? You know, I think about that. If, if, if I'm at a place in my life, then I cannot influence other people. I'm not living the call that God's placed upon my life to be. Am I perfect? No, I'm not. And many of you have seen that in different ways or different forms. But that's my heart. That's my endeavor to say, hey, God, I want to be able to to reach people's lives because what is the heart of the Father? It's other people, right? God desires that we come to a knowledge of Him. God desires that we love Him, that we reach out to those people that you work with, Patty, at the credit union, at the bank that you're there. And they know, hey, she's got a light in her life. You know what? She has a hope. That's something different than a lot of us have seen. When something else happens, things fall apart. But I know she's consistent in and out. And I've seen the faithfulness in her life. And I've seen God bless her, right? And different ones of you in different ways in your own life. You know, in our jobs and in our communities and all of these things. 
It's my desire that we be at a place that we say, God, this life is but a vapor. This life is short. Sometimes it feels forever long. Some of us are in different stages of life. Some of you are younger in the childbearing years, and you say, hey, man, if I could just get my kids to bed, it's another celebration of a day, right? <laughs> Others of you are at a place to say, hey, your kids are long raised and they're gone, and they have kids and maybe they're grandkids and stuff, and, and you're like, hey, you know what? I'm praying for my kids. Maybe your kids are serving God, maybe they're not. Maybe your job is a role of, of prayer, of intercession, of seeking, the, seeking God and, and seeking Him. Right, Whatever phase that you're in, maybe you're in a job right now that you say, hey, man, this job is pretty good. I've believed God for it. But if some of you are honest, you're like, hey, well, I've been at this job a while and it's okay, but if I didn't have to work here, I'd be better, right? Or wherever you're at in the middle of it. The thing is, is that I would challenge you in this. Living a clean life says, hey, God, you know, you've taken me out here to this place. You've taken me into this job. Anybody ever look at it that way? You know, I was praying about that a, a year or so ago, and I was like, God, I'd much rather be doing something else. I, c- I could do something else here. But he just really spoke to my heart and said, hey, it's a job, but I've also placed you there in a ministry to reach those people. And so I would challenge you in your jobs. Hey, this is not just earning a paycheck. Go in with the eternal perspective. Hey, that person that I work with closely on a daily basis Are they going to heaven? Do they know that God loves them? Do they see God's evidence in my life? Or when I tell them, hey, yeah, I serve God, are they they surprised? I hope not. Right? We should be bold about what God's done in our lives. We should be bold about saying, hey, God's working in my life, but... Again, the old saying, the proof of the pudding's in the eating, right? When you... (laughs) When you work with somebody on a daily basis, they get to see all your character, right? They get to see who you are and how you respond in certain situations. And on those hard days, are you going to be the kind of person that's just kicking the chairs and a stupid... Right? I mean, I understand we're all human. But that is the place where we as mature believers that God's called us to be to say, hey, no, wait a minute, I'm going to back up a second here. I realize that my flesh and my soul's rising up big right now on the inside of me. And come on, Spirit, let's grab a hold of this thing and let's turn it around a little bit, if you know what I'm saying today. Amen? It's like, hey, God, I'm thanking you for the Word of God that you've placed upon my heart, that it's rising up big on the inside of me. Whatever that scripture is, whatever that promise is to you, greater is he that lives in me than he that is in this world. God, I know that you have a plan and a purpose for my life. God, you are bigger on the inside of me. If God is for me, who can be against me? My God, my hope, my fortress, I run to you. You are my safety. You know, a psalm or a proverb that really can kind of encourage your soul. is That's the reason that David wrote those, right? To be able to encourage himself in the Lord. And so live in a life that is clean unto God. Live in a life that says, hey, God... I want to get to the place that, as David said, search me, O God. In other words, find me worthy. Find me holy. Find me in a place. Hey, look through any part of my life. And that's, that's my endeavor and that's my heart consistently. If I get out of that place, okay, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And I'm going to do my best to make sure that I'm changing my actions, my choices, my words, 
to be able to get to the place that says, hey God, you know what? I want you to find me clean. I want you to find me clean. I want you to find me in a place that says, hey, I don't, the circumstances of life are not tossing me about like a ship here and there. If I hear some bad news about something in my life, well, my soul might initially react to something. I might have big feelings about it. Okay, well, that's a normal part of natural life that we live in. But then you get to the place, hey, Holy Spirit, you're my helper, right? You're my helper. We know the Bible says that, that God himself comes to live on the inside of us as New Testament believers, right? We know that Jesus said, I must go so that another greater than me can come. Who was the greater one? The Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that the, 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 we are now the temple. In the Old Testament, God's presence, the Ark of the Covenant, dwelt, lived in this really big tent that they took different places, right? And as soon as Jesus died, the tent was torn in two from top to bottom. God's Spirit was out because Jesus had done the work of resurrection. Jesus had done the work of restoration. Jesus had now counted us as worthy, counted us as righteous. And he said, now I'm writing the law of God on the table of your hearts. The Ten Commandments have now been replaced with Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? Amen. And the Holy Spirit's job is to help us. The Holy Spirit's job, along with the Word of God, the divinely inspired Word of God, 2 Timothy 3.16 said, All Scripture is given for reproof, for doctrine, for instruction, and correction in righteousness. In other words, basically saying the Word of God is proof, that the Word of God is legit, right, in your life. So all of these things combined together, hey, we're living a clean life. We're living a life that's worthy of Him. Um, uh, Another usage of of clean is a verb to make clean. Uh, Go clean those dirty shoes, right? Um, There's so many different uh, understandings of the word clean. I encourage you to look it up and to study it and think about it. Another one that I really liked is, hey, somebody's been, you know, maybe in treatment or been under, you know, the abusive substances for a long time. And they say, hey, man, I'm clean for three years. You know what I mean? Have you heard that phrase before? Hey, I've been clean now for a long time, right? Or maybe police or law enforcement, search them. Nope, they're clean, right? A lot of different usages and examples of the word clean. But um, anyway, a couple of different things like that. Let's turn in our Bibles. Uh, Hallelujah. There's not enough time in the day. Thank you, Lord. Where do you want us to go? Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Let's go to the Old Testament. 2 Samuel chapter 11. I'm going to do the Michael's paraphrase here because it's easier than to just try to read all of these words. So I might miss some important details, but go back and read it for yourself and fill it in because the Bible is always the truth line. The Bible is always the guideline. The Bible is always what we run to. Amen. So here is David, king of Israel. He has done what God's called him to do. He's set up the temple. He's um, followed along with what God's told him to do. Second Samuel chapter 11. And he, his troops are out to war, and, and he's at home, 
in his castle or temple or house or whatever it is you call it. And he's out there on his rooftop and he sees this woman bathing. And he says, oh, wow, she's looking good. So he calls her to his temple and sleeps with her. <laughs> yeah, true, it's in the Bible, all right? Okay, and then so after that happens, then she becomes pregnant and he says, oh no, that's a bad deal. And uh, so he finds out that she's married. And so he calls his, her husband from the front lines of the battle. His name is Uriah. And he says, hey, man, you've done such a great job. I'm so happy with all your hard work. I tell you what, go home with your wife and celebrate and sleep with her and all of these things and, and just, you know, all of that. And, and he says, um, David wakes up and finds out the next day that he slept on the cold, hard floor and didn't even go home. He's like, dude, why did you not go home? He's like, well, all my troops and all my friends are on the battle lines. They're in the front. They're sleeping in tents. They're in constant danger right now. There's no way I could go home and sleep with my wife in the warm bed. So he says, okay, well, that's fine. So he brings him in the next night, and then he gets him drunk. And he says, ah, now go sleep with your wife. And come to find out, he chooses not to do it again. And he says, no, I just can't. He was under the conviction to be able to do that. And so then he finally says, okay, fine. So he calls Joab, the commander of his armies, and he says, put this guy on the front line so he'll be killed. And he puts him on the front lines, and sure enough, he's killed on the front lines of their battle. How many people have heard this story before? I'm just curious. Raise your hand if you've heard this story. If you haven't, that's okay. No problem. It's in 2 Samuel 11. Read it. I promise I'm not lying to you. And, and so uh, then, <laughs> then what happens next is once he's killed, then David calls Bathsheba is the name of the woman. He calls her to his house, and she's mourning, obviously. She says, hey, my husband was just killed. It's interesting because we don't see any of Bathsheba's perspective in this account, but I'm, curious, I'm sure she had some feelings and, you know, um, pretty strong perspectives on it also. Anyway, so then, then the baby is born, and then David faces judgment from God and basically says, hey, this child will not live. And so this child's born, and for seven days Bathsheba and the child were really, really sick. The child ends up dying. And David is mourning for the child. And then David tries to then go on and continue like nothing is wrong until Nathan the prophet comes in and gives him a very strong rebuke and says, hey, you've sinned. You've sinned big time. So that's really the account of it. We're not even going to read it. Let's go to Psalms um, 51. <clears throat> And so we're continuing this thread here. And if you look at Psalm 51 at the top in your Bibles, it says David's plea for mercy, forgiveness, and cleansing. God wants our hearts to be right with him. Oh, from the, for the choir director, a song of David regarding the time that Nathan the prophet came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. So here they are linked together. So David wrote this psalm during the time of 2 Samuel. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. So sometimes in our mind, it's so hard to understand, hey, how is Psalms related with Samuel? Oh, wait, well, David wrote both just in a different way. So here is David after knowing and realizing, hey, I've sinned. He says, verse one, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. 
Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom, even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me now, let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal or a right spirit within me. And he goes on there to continue um, kind of that message there on that. This is his prayer to God after he's sinned. And I just wanted to kind of encourage you, some of you today, that you say, hey, maybe I feel like I come to church and I feel like I have to be perfect. The answer to that is absolutely not. You know, if we had a bunch of perfect people in here, something is majorly wrong. God's desire for our church and any church, his church, is to say, hey, we come here for hope. We come here for, for help, right, in our lives. We come here to say, hey, you know what, I'm coming here for encouragement. Um, because honestly, if you are perfect, then you know what, it's, there's, none of us are perfect, right? None of us are perfect. There is no perfect church because it's made up of a bunch of us people who sin and have fallen short in many ways. But thank goodness for what God has done. Now, David did not have Jesus, right? So he's pleading with God. He says, God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast and a right spirit within me. As I was praying about this message today, it's like, hey, create in me a clean heart. So maybe there's some of you in here today that you say, man, well, there's some things I've messed up on, and I don't feel like that I can come to God. I feel like there's things that are a barrier between me and him. I feel like there's things, you know, a, a chasm, if you will, a ditch, a valley, something that, hey, I can't cross. You know, sometimes we hunt out in the red desert sometimes, and there's roads that we're going on before that we have never have been on before ever. And you go for a road sometimes and a lot of times, and all of a sudden, here's this washout, right? It's like a 10-foot drop. It's like, hey, I can't cross that. Well, why didn't somebody get in here with a bulldozer? Well, you're out in the middle of the Red Desert. There's nobody that's going to do anything about it. If you want to keep going, you're going to have to make your own road. So there's a lot of times that we've had fun experiences where we're going to, hey, hey, we're going to go around and see if we can get across this ditch and back on track. Hey, it's kind of fun. You know, Wyoming at its best, right? Hey, can we cross this ravine? Can we cross this cavern? Or, you know, how can we get across this? Because, hey, if I go down there, well... I'm staying here for a while because I'm either rolling my vehicle or it's high centering or something's going on, right? A lot of you have been out there, you know what I'm talking about in situations like that. And so there's a chasm that's there that keeps us from the other side. And so a lot of times, like that's what sin does. A lot of times sin separates us from God. Sin keeps us from God. We say, hey God, I want your blessings in my life, but well, eh. And a lot of times, if we listen carefully, God may prick our hearts and say, hey, I want you to do this. He, God's a gentleman. He's not going to come in and he's not going to write it on the wall for you, but he's going to write it, the Bible says, on your heart, right? And so it's up to us to have that. that as David said, God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. That was his attitude of his heart. That was the attitude of him saying, God, I desire more of this in my life. 
I desire a clean heart with you. I desire a right relationship with you, right? And so then, how is that chasm spanned? Well, that chasm is spanned by Jesus, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But, but we want to be able to say, hey, God, you know, like I said before, if you're in a place that say, hey, I feel like there's a separation between me and God right now. I feel like there's something that is keeping me from God. Maybe it's religious baggage in your life. Maybe it's people that have spoke on behalf of religion or people in your past that have made a bad name um, in the sake of God. I guess I'm not saying that. I'm not communicating that very clearly. The Holy Spirit helped me to communicate that. Maybe there's people in your past that have tried to push some form of religion upon you and that has left a bad taste in your mouth. Maybe there's some form or fashion of something that has been in your past, you say, well, if that's God, I don't want anything to do with it, right? But it's important that we know God for who He is, not what somebody else said that He is, right? We know Him in our relationship. We know Him through us communicating with Him, us desiring. You know, I was listening to the Jesus Culture album, has a little bit of preaching on there, and there's a guy in Matthew chapter 5, he said that if those of you Tell me again, what does it say? The righteous seeking him. Uh, I want to get the wording right. Anyway, seek God. uh, (laughs) Matthew chapter (laughs) 5. The righteous are seeking God. When you seek him, you will find him, basically. Right? Um, So God says that when we seek him, we'll find him. Right? When we seek him, we'll find him. So that is the desire of your heart this morning. Hey, God. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. When you choose to say, hey, God, yes, I ask that you do that, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from unrighteousness. The Bible says that God hates sin, that he has to judge sin. You know, we look at the first one that comes to mind is the template of Sodom and Gomorrah in the Old Testament, where there was a lot of sin that was happening, right? And God said, hey, I'm... There's so much sin that I'm forced to destroy this place, right? But what did he do? He got his faithful people out of there. Those that had the attitude of the heart that said, God, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. God, I, I, I desire to live for you in my life. Guess what? He saved those people. Amen? Amen. Let's go in our Bibles, too. Uh, there's so many places we could go. Let's go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 in the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, or, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 3. So I think it's important to be able to clarify here this morning that we've said this before, but it's worth repeating that The Bible talks about two kinds of sin, right? The sin of commission and the sin of omission. And basically those are saying if you know to do right and don't do it, and if you, um, I always get this a little bit tricky, if you know to do right and don't do it, but you, and you know not to do right, but do it anyway. Yeah. So basically if you know what to do right and you don't do it, or if you know what to do right, 
but you know what not to do and do it anyway, basically. Okay? The Bible talks about that um, the wages of sin is death, spiritual death. The Bible talks about how that the, the new covenant is now written upon our hearts as well as in the word of God. So how do you know? How do you know if you're sinning or not? How do you know if you're sinning or not? Well, does it line up with the word of God? You know, the, the Bible is our instruction book. And I just sense some of you in here too are saying, well, your next question to me is, well, what if I don't understand the Bible? Well, that's good. I, I mean, thank you for being honest. It's not good that you don't understand it, but thank you for being honest. So what's your next steps? Find somebody who understands the Bible and who you trust, who can preach the Word of God in such a way that it may open your hearts, right? That it may open up you to the place of understanding, hey, they're teaching solid Bible principles. They're not leading me astray. It's lining up with what the Word of God says. It bears witness in my heart, in my spirit. You know, the Bible says that the, the, the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So the other way that you know if it's sin or not is if it's either bearing witness with your heart or if it's feeling like that sandpaper feeling like, uh, right? The Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of all sin. His job here on the earth is to convict us of sin. You know, I, I've said this in times past before that we're, God is always going to be calling us up higher in Him. It's never like you've just arrived at a place with Him. One thing that He have made you maybe ask you to do a couple years ago and you saw success now in that area, He may then take you to the next step more and say, okay, now I want you to change this in your life. It's that relationship. It's God saying, hey, here's a step of faith for you. I know that may be hard. I know that you may feel like, hey, this is something that has a big stronghold in my life. Well, you say, God, I need your help with it, and he'll help you. So you take that step, and then he comes right along with you, right? You take another step. This is called the, 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 um, the walk of faith, basically. It's the walk of trusting in God. Anybody in here like to have it all figured out? Anybody like to have it all figured out? Yeah. Hey, give me a plan and stick to the plan. Sometimes my wife, God bless her soul, she's a planner, and I constantly mess up her plans, right? I love her so much, but I always mess up her plans um, because I'm like, well, what about this? <laughs> but she's a blessing to me, and I, I so much value the, the gifts that God has placed within her because it helps me and it helps this pastoral staff so much because she is a planner and because of what she does, right? But a lot of times we say, hey, we want to have it all figured out. We want to have a plan. Well, that's not the way God works for the most part, right? We have to trust him by faith. It's a walk of faith. It's a step of faith. It's a, a consistent, hey, okay, God, finally, this was a big haul. Now I'm going to rest a while, <laughs> right? No, God says, okay, well, I understand, but hey, Let's wrap our faith around that next big thing. Let's keep working on this. Let's keep refining our spirit, man, and our soul to the place of this, right? Because God will teach you. He'll help you, right? He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to make you feel like, oh, God, why do you always make me feel this way? No, it's a matter of, hey, son, hey, daughter, I love you. Let's walk this out together, right? 
That's the attitude that he's going to place in your heart. He's not going to judge you for it, but he's always going to call you up higher in the things of him. Again, what is our central theme here? It's right back to the idea of clean, a life worthy of clean, a life so saying, hey, search me, O God, create a new and right spirit within me. Amen? So we said Romans 3, right? Are you there yet? All right. So we're talking about sin a little bit, but we have to talk about sin in order to talk about the next part, which is even better than sin. Um, Romans 3, verse 9. We believe it's Paul writing, or Paul writing to the Romans here. He says, Well then, should we conclude that Jews are better than others? No, not for all. Uh, I'm going to fast forward through some of this. No one is righteous, not even one. No one does good. Basically, we've all sinned. He says, verse 20, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Right? So this is the law. This is the Old Testament. This is where they lived under before Jesus came. It says, hey, it doesn't matter the good things that I've done. It doesn't matter the works that I've done. It doesn't matter how good of a life I am. It doesn't even really matter how religious I am. None of that stuff matters because, what does it say? We're all sinners, right? None of us, not one. And if we're honest, we can all agree, hey, yes, I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the good part. Verse 21. But now, as pastor would say, we look for the but, right? But now, he doesn't exactly say that, I don't know. But God, but something, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Verse 21, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. Let's stop right there. We have a way to be made right with God? Without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by doing what? Do you have uh, NLT? That's just the one I'm reading out of. I mean, you can use your reading skills if you want, of synthesis and all of that stuff. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him or without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. So you're telling me now here that I don't have to sit here and worry about all of these things to say, hey, well, I don't know. I mean, gosh, God, I'm a sinner. No. Well, we've all sinned. We've all messed up. But here is the beauty of this. We are made right with God by doing what? Placing our faith in Jesus. It doesn't say by buying our faith in Jesus. It doesn't say by working out our faith with Jesus, by doing these good, mighty works. It says, no, what? Our faith in Jesus. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So they were talking in the, this time in this day and age, Jesus had just come in. Jesus, there was a lot of the Old Testament believers that only believed not in Jesus, but only the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch of what Moses wrote. And so they said, hey, I don't believe all the rest of this stuff. So those were called the Jews in the Bible. And then there was the Gentiles who were not Jews, but they still believed in God. And so there was this great division. 
They said, well, no, you're of this church, or you're of this church, or you're of this church. And Paul's coming in and saying, whoa, wait, it doesn't matter who you are or what your background is. It's true for everyone who believes. So guys, that's good news today. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you have believed in the past. It doesn't matter how sinful you've been in the past or how far you've fallen. Come on, somebody. What is the only thing we have to have? Our faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, believing on Jesus. Remember that ravine that I talked about in the desert? Jesus is the bridge that can help us across. He's the one that, all, that bridges the, the, the sin for us and say, hey, now because of what Christ has done, thank the Lord. We can now approach the throne of grace boldly. In other words, we can come to God boldly, confidently. Mitch, can I borrow you just for a minute? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to hurt you. Those are, all my, those are all my things beforehand. All right, so... Does anybody think God's going to have a beard like Mitch? Because if so, that's pretty cool. That's good stuff right there. Right? Do you ever see those, those like Hanna-Barbera movies where like God comes in or like Moses or Noah at least, right? So it's just awesome. I love it. It's really cool. So we're going to pretend that he's God right now. And right? So a lot of us, in like wrapping up, I got just a few minutes here, but a lot of us come to God in prayer of our attitude kind of like this. Well, God... I messed up again. Yeah, well, yeah. I know you're judging me for it, and I know all these things, and I, well, I'll come talk to you later, I guess. I'm just going <laughs> to. Anybody ever feel that way sometimes when you're talking to God? Let's be honest, especially if you've sinned. We know that sin separates us from God, right? We've said, hey, well, God's over there, and I'm living my life here, and uh, yeah, I'm messing up, and I'm failing, and so I'm just, I'm not even going to try because I know I've messed up, and God's still over there saying, hey, I love you. He's waiting. He says, hey, I've given you everything. My hand is extended. So the idea of righteousness and right standing with God, I, growing up in the church, this word has always stumped me you know pastor says righteousness is right standing with god a right relationship with god but even still like i'm like what huh Uh, so right standing with god simply means hey we're okay right it just means like hey i can come to god like hey what's up and god is gonna be like hey i love you be like you know that even though i kind of messed up yeah i know but i forgive you Hey God, I know your word says that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us. And so I'm going to. I'm sorry, I ask you to create a clean heart within me. My heart is humbled. Please forgive me. And he will. And then we come up, you wrap your arm around me. Right? We come up to him. He's like, hey, I love you. Right? He's like, hey, what do you need? You know? I want you to picture this when you're coming to God. Because this is under the place of righteousness. This is a place of right standing. This is a place of coming to God. Hey, because of what Jesus did, sin no longer separates me from God. 
I can come to prayer in God. I can have the relationship with Him. And I can say, hey, I approach Him in this way that I don't have to worry about the baggage. I don't have to worry about all of these things, right? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Right? So that's what the basic idea of what righteousness is. I'm hoping that we get a chance to get into this a little bit more. And if, as you go through, read chap, Romans chapter 3 and Romans chapter 6, because as we go on there and we keep reading through, Paul continues to talk about the good things of righteousness. Romans 3.23, I'm just going to read a little bit of it here. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, it's based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not obeying the law. And we could keep going there again. So how are we made right with God? Through our faith in him. Amen. So thinking about the idea of clean as we wrap this up this morning. My desire is to be at a place of saying, God, search me, O God. Renew a right spirit within me, as David said. Right. Our, I challenge you that your heart should always be in that place. And then you listen to what God tells you to do as he calls you up higher, as he calls you to walk out the walk of faith with him. Choose to do it. Say, okay, God, I'm going to choose to do this. Maybe you failed in the past on some things. Hey, now is the time to step up and say, hey, God, I'm going to trust you in it. I'm not doing this on my own will. I'm not doing this on my own ability. But I desire to, to walk in a place of worthiness unto you. I desire to walk in a place of saying, hey, when this life is done here on this earth, some days it feels long. Some days it feels, hey, you know what? It's a, that was a long day. But other days... You look back and say, man, this life was short. I can't believe it's fall already. A year is already gone, right? Bill said, no, it's not fall yet, but it's kind of getting there, right? It's chilly in the morning, so it's almost there, right? We're getting close, right? Depends on what's, if you're on the mountain or you're here down below or whatever it is. So if you would, everybody stand for me, please. As we wrap this up today, I pray in my, my heart that, that you had something that the Holy Spirit can take and encourage you in. It's not anything about me or anything about my life so much as it is about you and your relationship with Him. Because I answer for what I'm doing, you know, um, and you answer for what you're doing. And I want to see you in heaven and I want to rejoice and, and party in heaven one day for a life well lived on the earth. Do you realize that we're rulers of the new kingdom? In our next life, as the Bible talks about in Revelation, we are kings and priests. God has set us up. Do you realize that angels exist to serve us? I was telling Kendra the other day, I was like, man, you know what? I'm thankful for my angel. She was, I was talking about one thing that she had, that I believe that my angel had helped me in. I was running the forklift on the mountain this summer. 
It looked like that forklift was tipping over. And all the people that were up there said, hey, no, we believe that was your angel that held it on. Those of you that have heard about my FedEx accident several years ago, I know my angel was there with me. Different situations. I'm like, hey, well, I don't want him to get too bored. You know, I got to give him something to do. <laughs> There's a fine line there, right? There's a fine line there as well. I'm not trying to give him something to do on purpose. But as we are serving God and as we're loving him, I just challenge you. You know, I say, hey, if you're at a place that you say, hey, man, I've never accepted Christ. Maybe you've been to the place that you've said, hey, I've heard about this. Maybe you have some religious baggage in your life, so to speak. Maybe you've not even heard of the gospel. Maybe a lot of things today that I've said are foreign to you in some form or fashion. That's all right. You know, again, God just looks at the heart. He always looks at our heart. And he wants to know, hey, do you desire him? Do you realize, hey, yeah, there's some things in my life that I've done that I've sinned. There's some things in my life that are not right. And so now I know, hey, God, you know what? My heart is right. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to choose to ask you into my heart to help me. You know, God desires that his blessing be on our life. And I, we didn't really talk about it all today, but a life of being clean is a life of living in God's blessing. A life of being clean is a life of being in peace. It's, it's a life of being led by God wherever you go at the least expected moments. Because you're in a right relationship with them. Amen? So I challenge you to desire that. So if you've not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. If you bow your heads and close your eyes for me this morning, maybe you're in this place and you say, man, as you're teaching, I just, I know there's some sin in my life. Well, that's easy. Get it right. Like we've quoted before, 1 John 1 and 9, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. In other words, you come to Him and say, Hey God, I messed up. I need your help. He will cleanse you and He will help you. And that's the goodness of what Jesus has done, that you have still a way to God and can connect with Him. So if that's you this morning, I just challenge you as we're praying from the state of your heart, say, Hey God, I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me, and lead me up higher in the things of you. Amen? So if that's something that you want to do, accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's really simple. The Bible just talks about it in Romans. It basically says, you know, hey, if we believe that the Lord Jesus is Lord, we confess Him with our mouths and believe in our hearts, the Bible says we'll be saved. We're saved from heaven. We're saved from a life without hope. We're saved from the chasm that separates us between God. We're saved from the eternal judgment as we know the wages of sin is indeed death. Again, this is between you and him. It's not about a church thing. It's not about a religious thing. It's about my heart literally asking you and saying, hey, if you don't know Christ, now is your chance. So it's just a very simple prayer. Everybody, if you would, say it with me. Dear God, I believe in you. Please forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's it. When your heart is saying, hey, yeah, I want that. That's all it takes. It's just an act of your will. It's just an act of saying, you bet, God, I'll take it. Amen. It's been a joy having you with us today. We pray you've been blessed by spending the time in God's word. Always remember, you're valuable and precious, special and important to him.